to Cinebabble episode 24. Uh, we are here in a brand new America. The virus is gone. Quarantine is lifted. Everything is going great. Clint, how you feeling getting back to life as we know it? What window are you looking out? I don't know. Delusions, man. <laughs> just delusions of grandeur. I really, I wanted to, to, to do that thing where if you just believe hard enough, yeah. it has You're to You're going to will it into existence. The virus is gone, and we're sitting at Red Lobster. <laughs> First choice, podcast. Red Lobster. I don't know. Man, dreaming big. <laughs> just, I just, you know what I can't cook at home? Some salmon. That's what I can't cook here. Why I'm, not? Because I'm not good at it. Oh. I'm not good at seafood. Hmm. I do a mean butter shrimp, but shrimp <laughs> should really should really try some some salmon shrimp. <laughs> I I don't have a lot of luck cooking, but I think I've cooked salmon pretty successfully. Really? Yeah. All right, well, maybe I'll give it a try yeah, then. Yeah. All right, that's what I'm going to be eating about this week. <laughs> is that a new segment? It's. I'm in good spirits. Uh, yeah. I am Ken. This is my co-host, Clint. Yeah. Clint, this week, what you watch about? Ken, I um, still am at home, and I'm just— But the virus is gone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm not going to keep this up. Go ahead. <laughs> no one gave me that memo, so I'm still <laughs> acting like it isn't, so I'm staying home. I wonder why my boss was calling me so much. I recently watched a um, little indie from the 1996 called The Day Trippers, uh, directed by Greg Matalo, mm-hmm. who did yep. Adventureland. Oh, I've seen it. Have yeah. you? I have. I had never seen it. I really? Re- I really liked it. I thought it was really good. How have you been at this house and I've just never gotten around to recommending that movie to you? Your failure. Oh, my goodness. That's know. right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Hope mm-hmm. Davis, mm-hmm. Uh, Liv Schreiber, who's fantastic in He's, it. Yeah. Not um, the Ray Donovan. No. Liv Schreiber no, no, at all. No. And uh, Parker Posey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Eliza discovers that her husband's cheating on her. And so she kind of enlists her family to take this trip to the city to investigate a little bit. Everyone's really good in it. It's just like one of those perfect little indie films from the 90s where I just missed it. Um, it was up on Criterion, and uh, I highly recommend watching it. It was just a delight. Like, Liv Schreiber, live, leave, live, live. Um, Schreiber is really funny in it. He's like this aspiring author. He wants to be a writer, and he's writing this story about <laughs> it's- future where like there's dog-headed men and it's just saying he's so straight-faced how he's describing it to the mother and, the and he's mother. really passionate he's about really it. passionate and the, really into it and the mom is just so enthusiastic about hearing about it she's just in love with uh, his character um and yeah it's just a really nice little yeah. movie and everyone's really good in it and uh it has this really interesting kind of designed to it's a simple movie but just like everyone's dressed really yeah. fun and it just has this like it's way beyond what it should have been now it's it's been half a minute since i've seen it does it hold up well oh yeah it's okay. like one of those like a movie from that time period where it's like an independent film that like kind of kick-started that 
um, kind of filmmaking, mm-hmm. and it's I I thought it was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to watch it again. Yeah, uh, I don't even think I own it. I just I've watched it several times over the years. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna pick it up. I okay. I'm gonna get the criterion of it for sure. Okay. Um, also, I just finished watching the third season of Babylon Berlin. I think I've told you about you've this. Told show. Me, I've, I've never gotten around to it, but you've told me about it. This is like one of those shows where like I can't don't understand why n- there isn't anybody really talking about this show. Um, so it's a German show. And, I didn't even know there was a third season. Yep, it just came out. Okay. And apparently, I, I, I'm not sure if Netflix gets them a bit later, but they're working on the fourth season. So it's not like three and it's over. So it's set in Germany in 1929, um, and it follows a detective. And he's he just kind of is set between World War One and World War Two, and he's like battling with like uh, PTSD, which is really interesting to see from that time period. And um, it has this really fun like avant-garde feel to the whole show, it's like German expressionism, and um, and the other character, she's a, a like she wants to be a police detective, mm-hmm. but she works at like a nightclub. And she's kind of working her way through, and they they can kind of become friends, okay. and it's about their relationship and about uh, it's just like about the politics of the time. You kind of feel the bubbling of like Nazism coming up, and it's really fun to see like that like side of that where you're like it's before it's like taken right. root completely, and it's just like the beginnings of it. So it's the politics, and it's just about him like detective story, like neo noir, um, but it's it's like. I was reading a thing. It's like the most expensive non-English film. Really? And it it's one of the best, like, period piece shows. Like, it looks fantastic. Like, they completely fill out the world, like, when they're on the streets and stuff. Like, it looks mm-hmm. like the 1920s. And, it, yeah, like, their music's really good. It's kind of like this um, cabaret kind of feel to it. And uh, I... Where can I find the show? On Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. I, I love this show. Um, I, I didn't realize the third season was coming out too recently, so I just went through okay. that. I was kind of watching it just a couple episodes at a time because I didn't want to yeah. go through it too quickly. Okay. It's one I kind of savor. Um, but, yeah, I don't understand why people don't talk about this show. It's it's really good. Um, I mean, don't watch it with the, the um, dub. The dub is awful. Okay. I highly... Subs. <laughs> yeah, watch it with the subs. Okay. Um, but it's great. Okay. Daniel, what what have you been watching? I actually had some time to watch some things this week, and I have caught up on Westworld. Uh, Uh Westworld Season 3 is out on HBO. Now, I have not watched the most recent fifth episode that just aired. Uh I I think it's been four episodes that I watched. And uh, you've watched this as well, correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I really, from the beginning— have been digging uh, the feel of it this season. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the first season. The second season felt very samey to the first season. So this has been really exciting. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of kind of that cyberpunk feel of of world building. Uh I love kind of the the future reality that they're putting together. I love the little touches. It it feels like a a lived-in, developed world. Yeah. And uh, they keep kind of expanding some of the things that that they're introducing, and I've been enjoying it so far. Um, And I'm not 100% sure I'm on board with some of the stuff that they're doing with Dolores. Yeah. But I'm still kind of there. I'm still still hanging in. I really love Aaron Paul's character. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying that. Uh, And I'm, I'm enjoying that combination of 
her in this role of, of feeling like she's been trapped by society that has ruled her, this human society. And even though he's human, he's also trapped uh, right. in this in a kind of series of algorithms that's dictating his future mm-hmm. to him. And the two of them together is a really interesting pairing. And I, I like that they're taking her character in the direction that she isn't above working with a human. Mm-hmm. She's not pegged all humans as being evil or, or extinguishable or, or whatever you want to say. And so I'm, I'm, it's, it's got me hooked. I'm just curious where it's going. Yeah. I haven't, the third and fourth episodes did not get me like the first two. Mm-hmm. The first two really kind of, I think, launched out of the gate really strong. And then it's, it's not that three and four were bad. It's just, I feel a lot of plot development three yeah. and four. And I'm waiting to see where they go. Yeah. Uh, how, what's, what's your experience? I love the first episode. I think the second was okay. And it's slowly gone down for me a little bit okay. each episode. Now, and, have you watched the very last episode, this fifth yes, episode that just aired? Okay. Um, because I don't, and, and where it's gone, I wasn't very into the main mystery that they were setting up with Dolores. And like, and who is taking, who is the, um, what are the orbs or the... Uh, who's inhabiting the other yeah, house? Yeah, who's basically. inhabiting. I did not care about that setup at all. Um, I was like, this, so that's what the whole mystery of this is going to be. And they do twist it by the fourth, season, fourth episode. Yeah. And I still, I was like, oh, okay. But the fifth episode kind of really lost me. Okay. Just because they do some stylistic things that they play with that are just totally out of left field for the show a little bit. And I I was just not on board with it. But I've seen rumblings around the internet that people really hate the fifth episode. I I did not like it. Okay. I I don't think you're alone. Yeah. And that's, uh, I I haven't rushed to watch it just because right as I was getting ready to watch the fourth episode, um, reviews of the fifth episode were dropping. And I was like, oh, oh. Uh, people are, are kind of tearing it up. So I was, yeah. I was a little and bit worried. Even there. outside of some of the stylistic choices they make and just some of the things they do with, um, is it Vincent? Uh, what's uh, the uh, Castile. Castile? Castile. 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 Is, is it Vincent Castile? Vincent Castile. Yeah. Like th- this episode is a lot about him and his character. So okay. um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. From the preview, it, it kind of starts with him as a boy and. Yeah. Uh, kind of the nuclear holocaust that that has happened at some point in this world. Right, and, right. Okay. So I just didn't know how much I cared about his backstory and okay. some stylistic things. It might be the same reasons people hate it, or okay. it might be different reasons. I don't know. Okay. But worthwhile. I mean, it might be. I'm going to continue watching it. Yeah, I'm going to watch it, and um, you know, we'll see. And I'm going to finish the season. Maybe it'll just turn out. What was that episode of The Watchmen that lost me briefly? No, you were the, crazy for that. The trapdoor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is just your trapdoor episode. Maybe, but it was, I think it was, this episode contained a lot of the things that were in the previews for the show, for this season. I got Like you. the car chase and everything, like blowing up a car, like some big action beats and the the choices they make with that, like, it seems like something where you couldn't screw that up, but it, it really, I was like, what are they doing this right now? Um, I'm not going to go specific, but okay. it's it's worth watching. I, I think the first episode was just so good, and it was so much fun um, just seeing this side of the world in that, like, total cyberpunk feel yeah. was so exciting to me. Um, 
maybe I'm just now used to it. I don't know. Maybe it's just not as the shine's gotten worn off a little okay. bit from the first episode. Are they are they just drifting back too much to the story of the hosts instead of sticking in that cyberpunk world for you? Or no, no. I don't know. I think I, I would enjoy more with Aaron Paul and like mm-hmm. maybe the humans, but it was I don't know. This episode was strange to me. Okay. Okay. You have to let me know your opinion about it afterwards. Right. Yeah, I'll be watching it in the next day or two, so I'll definitely let you know. Yeah. Okay. You watching anything else? Uh, no. I've been. Oh. <laughs> I've been. <laughs> You're a busy boy. Uh, just a little. It's it's a little maddening. Yeah. Um, I don't even have time to lay it out here. But what I do have time to lay out is some good news. Uh-oh. And the good news is last week... We talked about The Edge. Now, The Edge is this little movie. Yeah. Don't laugh at me. Um, about Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. They go down in a plane crash, mm-hmm. and they got to survive the wilderness and get back to society. And uh, they're at odds the whole time. And uh, it's just a movie I, I love. It's, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. But I got a little worried last week because there's a third character that crashes. Mm-hmm. And I, I instantly said this is the same actor from Lost. Yeah, that, that plays Michael. Uh huh. And then I got a little worried, and I thought maybe it's not. <laughs> and so I, I got went, a little worried because you. <laughs> said I did. I did. Uh, and so I went to my friend Google, and I said, "Google, mm-hmm. help me out here, because I I don't want to. I just help me. You guys are help on a first Google. name basis. We are. Wow. We are. Help me, Google. Man. And Google was just like, "I got you." And Google turned up that yes, indeed, it is the same actor. Super not a racist right here. Yeah. Very happy about that. Uh, so I just wanted to share my joy with you, Clint, and plug The Edge again, because I'm <laughs> telling you, before this month is done, you're going to watch The Edge. Okay, because I was going to let you know I did not watch The Edge. You're going to love it. You're going to you're gonna enjoy it. I'm telling you. I probably will. You have missed this little gem. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I'll watch it. If The Revenant was set in modern day and had a rich man and another rich man... And a not so rich man. <laughs> and they had no one to exact revenge on. Yeah. But they too were stuck in the wilderness and there's a bear, but that bear kept following. If the Revenant had a plane crash. It's nothing like the Revenant. We <laughs> <laughs> forgot that part of the Revenant. The edge was the edge before the Revenant. So you gotta you gotta check it out. Okay. It's a real bear, not a CG bear. It's a real bear. That's uh what's his name? Ben the bear. That's oh, a very famous grizzly yeah, bear. Right. That uh, you stacked in all the movies, Great uh-huh. Outdoors and all that stuff. It's that bear. Okay. It's a good bear. I don't think The Revenant wasn't all. It was a real bear, I think, for mo- some of it. Some of it, yeah. yeah. But they also did some compositing and CG and, yeah. and some different things there. That was I love that story because he doesn't want to explain how they did it because it just looks so good. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. But yeah. I much bet better. DiCaprio had a twin and they actually let it tear him apart. The twin. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Danny DiCaprio. <laughs> you just couldn't let it go. Danny DiCaprio. It's a little too close to home with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Danny DiCaprio is Leo DiCaprio's driver. He just drives him around. He's a stuntman. Uh, they have a great relationship. But he got mauled by a bear later. In, he did get mauled by a bear. Yeah. But Danny's okay with his lot in life. He just enjoys driving Leo around. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well... With that good news aside, uh, we watched three movies this week, and the first movie that we watched was Greta Gerwig's uh, adaptation of Little Women. Now, Clint, do you have any history with Little Women at all? Yes, I do. do you? Okay. I really love the um, 
what was it, the '90s version? The one that had Susan Sarandon and yeah, and okay. um, uh, who else? A bunch of people. It had a mess of people. Yeah, but yeah, okay. One and a Rider was in it. Mm-hmm. I really loved that growing up. Like it okay. was one I think my, like it was an easy thing to put on. My sister loved it, and I think around the holidays we'd watch it. Yeah, yeah. Little Women is a, is always. I don't know why it always surprises me. Yeah, my brain tells me it's going to be this very stuffy Victorian feeling kind of prim and proper yeah ladies being ladies mm-hmm. uh and it's not at all little right. women is is such a, a breath of fresh air yeah as, as far as like early literature goes yeah and uh it's just it's such a good story yeah because it really it's got great characters yeah because it really kind of like captures how girls are like a real like not just like a literary version but it's yeah. just kind of very real to life like they're not completely prim and proper. They're kind of wild and have aspirations. And Which was a huge deal when it was written. It, I it, bet. It, it was very progressive right. at the time. And, and it was really kind of, it was at the right time. It mm-hmm. was ahead of its time. And it was just at the right time where it was ready to be accepted and really kind of launched into this very uh, popular generational book that has just been passed from you know, mom to daughter to mom to daughter to mom to daughter. Right. And, you know, some guys get in uh, at the same time and enjoy the story and yeah. actually surprised that they do. Okay. Well, how did you feel that Greta Gerwig's adaptation stacked up? I loved it, really. I was I was really excited to see this. I do. I love Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. I um, Francis Haw has been one of my favorite movies of the past few years. And I really liked um, Lady Bird, again, with Saoirse Ronan. But... I thought it was great. Um, I really liked the little touches to not really modernize it, but just maybe the language a little bit. But it it felt pretty true to the original. Like I was surprised how unmodernized it was. Really, like it felt true to the story and what I remembered of the original movie. But also, like there was little touches too that made it feel very relevant mm-hmm. to what women still go through and how they are viewed in the world and their aspirations to what they want to do in the world. And um, I th- I really like the the play with time that they did in the film. I think that totally pays yep. off by the end. Like at first it's a little disorienting, but like as it's going on, you like it just stacks up to like this really satisfying Thing. I can't believe somebody hasn't done that before. Right. Because it really parallels nicely and especially centering each half around that story of Beth and mm-hmm. the parallels there. Yeah. That was exceptionally well done. I know. Yeah. Uh, and man, did it punch me in the heart. And I even knew what yeah. was coming. I yeah. know the story. Right. I know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I actually started to get a little emotional early because I was just like, oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> That's, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah. And but it, it it not only made it more emotionally satisfying, but it felt more poignant. Right. Because it really took on that idea of there's right in the center of the movie is that line of we're not kids anymore. Or right, or, right. Or leaving childhood behind. Or like, however she says it. Yeah, she says like, oh, so childhood's over. Yeah. And it's just like so sad, and like the sister is comforting her and. Um, just like, yeah, it's had to happen sometime. And bouncing back and forth between adulthood and childhood yeah. was just such a well-paced way to do that. Oh, right. I was surprised at how well it paced. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's some of the modernization of it. Right. It wasn't so much in the language or different things like that. It was just in the filmmaking. Yeah. And it was in the way the story was presented. And it really made the story clip along mm-hmm. faster 
while kind of hitting harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I, I counted them, and I have 82 emotions. <laughs> and this movie found 83. I don't know how it's possible. Uh-huh. But uh, it this movie just wormed its way in yeah. and just drug me around mm-hmm. uh, willingly. And uh, I cried and I laughed and laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. And I'm grinning ear to ear. And then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it just, um, I, I can't even imagine, and, and this is where I want to get to, I can't even imagine with as much as I loved this movie and I've enjoyed this story over the years, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a little girl or a teen girl yeah. or a young adult girl reading this mm-hmm. at a level that it connects to you on on such a a personal place. Right. Um, I just, I, I it it fascinates me. When a story that's essentially so simple and so character-based, there are not grand story moments here. Right. This is just a character-based tale yeah. of, of this family and their neighbors and things like that. The fact that it has as much power as it does is really uh, kind of a testament to how much it creates characters that feel real. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that – I mean – even just being like if you were a young girl reading this, I feel like they did such a good job even in this adaptation too with the Timothy Chalamet's uh, Teddy or Theodore. Yeah. That, like that kind of is an end for uh, somebody – like if you can't instantly relate to these women, these young women, you yeah. could like see it through his eyes. Like I don't know. There are so many ways into this film and – um, even though he's not the main character or anything, it's just like there's everything was so well realized. I think I thought casting was exceptional. Yeah, for the sure. Casting was, and that's that's even the the '90s version, which I already really liked. Yeah, uh, and really respected the casting of that. Mm-hmm. This went to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time I've really connected uh, and just liked Teddy and his grandfather. Uh, oh, I know. I um, yeah. And even when Bob Odenkirk shows up. I was so excited. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I love that that's who they cast. As yeah. It, it instantly made so much sense. Yeah. Because this is essentially, the, the equivalent would be like this little family of hippies mm-hmm. uh, that are just like, yeah, you're our daughters. Don't let society tell you what to be. You're going to be what you want to be as best as you can. Right. And as soon as Bob Odenkirk showed up as the dad mm-hmm. and the way he played the dad, yeah. it was perfect. I know. Uh, just between him and Laura Dern, I could see those two parents mm-hmm. producing these children. Yeah. And it it just, I had no idea he was in it. I didn't either. And so I I about lost my mind when he walked on screen. Yeah, me too. I was so yes. excited. I mean, Jenny watched it with me. I mean, she was bawling the entire time, um, rightfully so. But when he popped up, I was like, oh, it's Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, because he, he could have been just kind of this side character where there's nothing for him to do, but they let him, like, I'm sure there was a lot of it written, but, like, him be himself. And so, like, warm and funny in those little scenes that he had that you instantly got a picture of who he is and how he relates to this family and his place in it. Well, and that's the the female characters. Obviously, it's the little women. The right. female characters are always so colorful yeah. that in other adaptations of this, the male characters feel very just sort of not sidelined. They're meant to be small characters. Uh, but they don't feel like they have as much vitality and energy to them. Mm-hmm. 
this completely did away yeah. with that. Even, Everyone, even even the publisher. Oh right, he, uh, who, yeah. Who you you aren't meant to like in yeah. any way. Uh, he <laughs> sinks so much into that. Yeah. And I could have watched I don't know how many more scenes of just him and Joe There's going back and forth. Some of the funniest lines oh, with yeah. him too. Yeah. It yeah. reminded me of in True Grit, the Coen Brothers yep, True Grit, for sure. Uh, where with the girl and she's uh, talking to the guy that owns the horses. Yep. And she's bartering for the horses and yeah. he's getting flustered because she's much, much sharper than than he had given her credit uh-huh. for. And she's kind of running circles on yeah. him. That scene where they're negotiating the price of the novel, <laughs> I I just Oh, yeah, and his interactions with his wife, like there was some. Oh, they're talking about like the mother coming over, and he's like, "Yeah, like yeah. Uh, she's still alive, <laughs> or something like that." <laughs> like, uh, and then his daughters come in, and he just looks at them, and that is just a tiny little scene. But even that scene felt like so much thought and oh, yeah. casting uh, was put into just those small roles. It yeah, really brought that movie alive. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think you already mentioned, but Chris Cooper, who yeah, yeah who plays Mr. Lawrence, yeah. another character where he could have just been kind of a mm-hmm. side character, but there was so like there was a couple just really key beautiful moments with him where like him um, on the stairs, him on the stairs where she's playing the piano and he comes down and he's just like kind of drops down and he looks ready to weep. Yeah, and you can tell that her playing and he says later, "You remind me of my daughter." Uh-huh. Uh, who he's lost. Yeah. But but just, oh my goodness, there was so much pathos. Yeah. And and it drew so much empathy out of me in just this little moment. Right. Uh, and it made me feel for Beth like I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel for him. Yeah. And I just, I loved that every character on screen, there were multiple ways for me to connect to them. Yeah. I, um, I, with Beth, I, I kind of wanted more from her character, but it totally made sense with who her character was. It's just this quiet person who's in the background, yeah. doesn't want to be the center of attention. So it just it plays well to who she actually was. I thought this version did a lot better with mm. just kind of setting a shot on all of the girls yeah. and letting them be themselves. Right. And so I, I think that helped build that Beth character more too. She's the shy one. Yep. And her other sisters are such big personalities. She's survived or adapted to that just mm-hmm. by being one step in the background of everything. So yeah. that she's never in the middle of conflict. Yeah. And that's why they all love her so dearly because she's never, you mm. know, she's willing to just kind of put whatever aside for them. Right. Um, I just, I, I, I loved it. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was. I loved it way more than I thought I was going to. I was. I mean, I was really excited because I mean, who was involved with it? Um, But it was just so well constructed, and every character was so likable and lovable. I mean, Frances Pugh plays Amy, like playing a little girl, and I mean, well, she's in her like twenties. That was really convincing. I know. Really convincing. It was really convincing. There's a seven year jump. I was more almost more like turn put off by when she's older because I'm this was so used to her being this little girl that I had bought into that yep. so much. But then I was like, oh right, she's now playing her actual age. Yeah. Um and yeah, she was so good as playing this like petulant little child who's just throwing a tantrum all the time. And the only one I didn't buy the look of from the two time periods was was Emma Watson's Meg. But the way she played both of those halves 
you felt it. And so it's, it's, she didn't need some dramatic visual transformation. Yeah. You could just feel more of the weight and the reality of the world. And she was kind of going through so much more of what her mom went through. Yeah. And, and she is the worked. oldest of the family yes. too. So like there, she's already starting past her teenage years. Right. Right. So there wouldn't be that much right. of a change physically. But I, I thought just little things with hair and costuming, yeah. and they did a really good job of of just little touches that subtly suggested she's younger now she's older mm-hmm. uh, with each of the characters and i i really appreciated that yeah uh, again just the detailing the production design the music all of it really came together on this mm-hmm. uh, and this definitely would have been in my top 10 i know i keep this maybe this will be the last movie that that i say that on, uh, this was one of the last i needed to see this from... is the last i needed to see of 2019 and this this would have easily uh, jumped right up through my list. I wish I had seen it around Christmas. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, I think I'll still want to watch it yeah. around Christmas, but it was just like, oh, man, I wish it was December right now while I'm watching this. This is 100% my go-to version of this now. Yeah. Um, I just... It's not that I have any less love for the 90s version, but I'd be shocked if I ever go back and watch it. Yeah. Other than out of curiosity, because I just feel like anytime this movie is on my mind... This story, this this is now the the, the kind of quintessential version. Yeah. Uh, to to grab a hold of. Yeah. So. Yeah, I ha- I'm excited to see what Greta Gerwig does next. <sighs> like, know. she should just be like handed every script. I think she's a fantastic. Oh, and Little Women is is not the kind of movie that somebody's going to see on the shelf unless they know the story and be like, oh, I want to watch that. Right. And even even though I know the story, I had the same reaction as you, where it wasn't like I was you know, running headlong into, I got to see this. But the minute I got into it, it was just like, oh, why didn't I want to see this more? Yeah. Why, why was I, you know, kind of passive towards this? Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's exceptional. So, you know, pick it up, give it a, give it a chance, especially if you don't know the story. Uh, This will be quite a delight, even if you know the story, uh, possibly even more of a delight just Mm -hmm. because you can watch all of the touches uh, that make this version different, and it's really smart choices. Yeah, I, I was kind of a good spot where, like, I kind of grew up with the other version mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it growing up, but it's been so long since I've seen it that I could wasn't really holding them up against each other. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I'm familiar with this, yeah, um, but I can enjoy it for its own, being its own thing. Yeah. All right, so definitely check out uh, The New Little Women. Our next movie is from director Takashi Miike, and it's called First Love. Left turn? <laughs> yeah. This this was quite the double feature. And we knew going into this when yeah. we picked these movies, like, this is this is a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I watched these in the same night. <laughs> I did back to back. I dried my tears yeah. and wiped wiped the grin down off my face from little women. Took a little dinner break and then wipe the blood off your brow. Yep, I went back downstairs and was like, "All right, Mike, what you got (laughs) for me?" Uh, And first love, the basic plot is just one night in Tokyo. uh, This confident young boxer and a uh, prostitute get caught up in a drug smuggling plot involving organized crime, corrupt cops, and a female assassin. A guy who who acts like he's a samurai. Uh, there's a couple of colorful characters in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint, what did you think of First Love? First of all, actually, a little yeah. bit of history. What's your history with Mike? Uh, because we've watched quite a few of his movies, and he's made like 104 yeah. movies. He puts out four or five a year. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah. he's. Uh, when it comes to calling a director prolific, he's yeah. 
you know, way up there. Right. The man just does not stop working. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's kind of your, what did you come to this kind of feeling about Mike before you came to First Love? Um, I have definitely not seen all of his films. <laughs> no. I have seen maybe a handful of yeah. his films. It's just ones that maybe have risen to the top a bit that people have recommended. Um, I've seen Audition, Happiness of the Catacuries, which is one of my favorites, uh, Itchy the Killer, uh, Dead Alive. I wish I recently, Dead or Alive, watched like last year. I yeah. hadn't seen it in a long time. And 13 Assassins, which is that's an amazing movie. I, I think that's assassins. That's like a, on another level of yeah. films that he's made. I I agree. Um, but I, I I always really enjoy them. Um, I it's just it's kind of one of those things you, when you hear he's done a hundred and whatever films, you're just like, where do I jump in? Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there's probably some other ones in there that I've missed that are really good. And I maybe should try to find a list of all of them and or like that are worth checking out. Um, but I, I do like his films. They're always bizarre and uh, over the top. They in always some come way. from a unique point of view yeah. and they have unique things to them. And um, maybe this is because I've just seen kind of the upper echelon, what's what's been available in the States or what I've heard of. Yeah. I've not gone near 104 films. Uh, but his films just... Every one of them feel different, even yeah. when he's playing within a similar genre. First Love is is kind of one of his Yakuza gangster films, which mm -hmm. he's done several of. But even all of them feel very different. Uh, and so, so I have this respect for any filmmaker, uh, especially somebody who's done 104 films that can still do something that I'm not expecting. Right, I, right. I'm all about it. And so, there have been Mike movies that I come to, and I I love. Uh, and add them to my collection. There's ones I'm just like, yeah, okay, but there's 103 <laughs> more. So yeah. this, this was just one I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Um, and and so it's 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 always exciting coming to one of his movies. Mm -hmm. So first love, what you what do you think of first love? First impressions? I had a good time with it. I thought it was fun. I don't think it's one of my favorites of his. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't be the one I grab first. Um, but I think it was overall like well constructed and um the actors were good. I don't. I don't know. What I'm <laughs> it was good. It was fun. Yeah. It was kind of over the top, like um, uh, you choose a film, mm -hmm. um, and I think it elevated what could have been kind of a humdrum story, mm -hmm. like just this kind of like drug dealers, prostitute, <laughs> um, boxer. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to throw into the mix, but. Uh, I think it could have been just something you forgot, but I think there was a lot of elements to it that made it more exceptional than it should have been. Yeah, I had I had fun with it. It was funny. I laughed yeah. quite often. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed the characters. It's a little confusing at first because there's so many characters. Yeah, and you're kind of honing in on on what's going on and and who you should pay attention to, but. Uh, it, it didn't take too long in that that section. Yeah, it kind of gets narrowed down to who you should mm -hmm. actually be paying attention to yeah. pretty pretty quickly. And that's that's when I started enjoying it more. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I got to the end of it. It's still not something that really sticks out in my mind as as essential Mike, but um, it's it's not one. If I was trying to get somebody to to you know be introduced to his films, I'm not going to put this on the list of it. Yeah. Uh, but I, by no means was it a waste of time or no. anything like that. It was a lot of fun. Although I couldn't escape the fact that the whole time, all I kept thinking is, this is the uh, section from Pulp Fiction with Butch. 
Uh, Bruce Willis. You've got the boxer. You've got the woman oh. he's with. <laughs> they're kind of on the run yeah. from this gang, and they're getting you – know, well, he's getting into these strange, violent adventures hmm. because he's trying to escape. And I'm by no means saying that, yeah. that Mika is, is plagiarizing, but he has to be aware. Right. And it just feels like that's a big influence in here uh, and something that he's he's kind of having fun with. Right, right. Um, which, again, after making 104 movies, it has to be fun just to bring in – uh, influences and inspirations from from other films that you love, and yeah. just do your version of of similar things. Yeah, and I'm sure by no means is Tarantino the first one that's. No, I mean I'm sure his he's got a list of influences that yeah. that came from because yeah. all his films are just like picked and pulled from yeah. other things. Directors like that, it always like when I was a little kid. I had no love of sports at all. Yeah. But I had baseball cards and I had those kind of things. And, yeah. and just that feeling of trading and, and kind of passing off with your friends eventually it became comics and it was passing comics around. Now it's movies. You pass movies around. Oh, hey, I love this movie. You should check it out. Yeah. And I always get the sense that that some of these really accomplished directors who are just having fun making movies, they do the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just, oh, did you see what you know this guy made? Ah, I love it. And they get excited. And you can feel that in Mike's movies. Yeah. I think the kind of whole Yakuza's um, element to it, I just didn't even think about that. And it's been a little yeah. while since I've seen. Well, Operation. and y- Yakuza gang is very different than yeah. Western culture yeah. gang and, and crime films. Right. And the boxer element is not as important as you. it's kind of made out to be in no. the trailer. Yeah. It's kind of just a, I was expecting more from that. It's much more about his medical condition. Yeah. Uh, and his relationship with her yeah. than anything where uh, the, the boxing comes into it, other than the fact that he can throw a punch and lay somebody out. Right, right. You know, that gives it enough of a of a foundation to why he's this sort of average Joe action hero. Yeah. I like that element. But um, I think I was expecting more just attention being paid to those two characters mm-hmm. because I never kind of... Uh, until the end felt like the love story mm-hmm. angle of it. And I don't know if that was actually important, really. Well, I, and see, I wondered that, too, because it's called First Love. Yeah. So, so it, it feels like that's the important thing. Right. Uh, but I don't know that the, the movie necessarily conveys that throughout. Yeah. Maybe it's, I mean, different kinds of love. Like she's addicted to drugs. A love, I don't know, maybe there's other first loves. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, because uh, when he first meets her, she has much more affection for him than he, he seems to have for her. Yeah. Um, he's a way out for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas to him, it takes him time to actually come around. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it has some fun elements in it, too. Like, it breaks into, like, an animated section for a short <laughs> yeah. minute, which... I was surprised by, but also wasn't because like, oh yeah, this is a Takashi Miike film and this just happens. And anybody who's seen Happiness of the Categories, especially, uh, Miike is just like, you know what? Claymation. Yep. Uh, uh, Musical number. If you haven't seen Happiness of the Categories, (laughs) your life is empty and should be filled with this joy. There's a great Blu-ray release from Arrow and you you find it anywhere. Uh, Get it on Amazon. Happiness of the Categories is, is just bananas yeah it's wild and it's fun and it's funny zombie musical zombie horror comedy musical with animation and (sighs) that naval musical number (laughs) that love story that i i cannot resist 
I, I bust out laughing yeah. every time that white uh, uniformed officer character just starts like belting it out <laughs> and everybody's joining in and I just, I lose it every time. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, this was fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a good time with it. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's on Amazon. You can find it on there. And did I pay for this? Was it streaming? I can't remember now. Yeah, it was like three ninety nine. Oh, okay. It wasn't bad. I couldn't remember if it was Amazon Prime or if, if I paid for no. it. It's this week's blur. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember where I spent four bucks. <laughs> Just throwing it out yep. there. Just yeah. Money bags. But, uh, but definitely, definitely check out First Love. Uh, just for fun. And uh, I wouldn't recommend pairing it as a double feature with Little Women. No. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't, really, didn't really connect didn't on, get, on no, that level. Didn't find any like elements that kind of no. overlapped in any way. No. no, I mean, the beheadings. Yes, there was a lot uh, in Little Women. Little Women, you'd be surprised how many beheadings there are. They really... They seem unnecessary, too. Sometimes, but I think Gerwig did well with it. I yeah, mean, she really kind of tied it to. It's in the text, so it's definitely there. It's definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> really, I want, if you would have let me keep going, like when we do one of those things, I always wonder who's going to tell the joke and end this first. Because I was in that one. I was about to go on a twenty-minute dissertation about the strange but satirical violence in Little Women. <laughs> I think we had got what we needed to out of that. <laughs> I just, I was going until you stopped me. And so, I didn't stop you. Well, you know, as soon as you broke character, that stopped me. No. But if you would have kept in it, I would have been in Sorry it. Sorry for breaking. It would have been like chicken. We would have just faced each other down. Like, who's who's jumping out of this first? Not me. Well, next time that happens, I'll realize that I'm not supposed to. I don't know. Okay. Uh, before we get to our third movie, I forgot to tell you something. Okay. There is a movie on Amazon, mm-hmm. and I discovered it while watching First Love. Yeah. Because when you pull a movie up on Amazon, it gives you the recommendations. Mm. There is a movie called Assassin 33 AD. Have you heard of this? (laughs) I've maybe passed by it. Okay. Your assignment this week is not to watch this movie because I am not watching this movie. Uh, Is it going on Sinatron? No. (laughs) We're not watching this movie. Uh, It's... I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. But I just want you to go and watch the trailer. Okay. You have to watch this trailer. Here's the plot of Assassin 33 AD. Mm -hmm. There's a group of scientists that develop time travel. And while deciding what they're going to do with time travel and their their time machine, uh, these radicalized uh, Islamic extremists discover that this time machine is there. And they're like, I got an idea. If we go back in time to 33 AD, we can kill Jesus and stop. (laughs) I'm not kidding. We can stop the birth of Christianity. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Follow me? Yeah. And, you know, Islam will be the only religion. Woo. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The scientists have to, to follow them to stop them from killing Jesus. This is a real movie, Clint. I believe you. And it is somehow simultaneously offensive to Muslims and Christians. And I don't know how one movie <laughs> could possibly offend both of those groups, but this looks like it does easily. Yeah. Uh, and it's very clear. I could not even finish the trailer, but it's very clear that uh, these these Muslim 
uh, these Muslims are going to go back and they're going to realize that that Jesus is is really God and they're they're going to turn their lives around. You can tell it's one of those Christian movies. It's a Christian movie. Oh, it's a hundred percent a Christian movie. Oh my movie. gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Sorry, I should have led with that. Hundred percent, you can feel it the whole time. And here's why it's wildly offensive to Christians. And on that note, uh, the whole point in the Jesus story is that he dies. Mm-hmm. So going back in time <laughs> to kill someone whose whole purpose was to die mm-hmm. is stupid because it already happened and didn't stop they it. should have kept so, him alive. <laughs> that would have been that's great. That's a better movie. Okay, guys, we got to go back and our whole mission is just to keep Jesus alive like he can't die. That would be so much fun. That's genius. Clint, <laughs> see? There you go. Anyway, uh, so I, I don't know. They're clearly, the scenes that they show of Jesus is before the crucifixion. Uh-huh. So I don't know when they're trying to assassinate him. If you're going to assassinate him, you got like a 40-day window after he comes back. That's when you kill him. But then he just comes back again. And then yeah. it's like double Christianity, I guess. <laughs> because if he rises twice, I don't know how offensive this is. Watch this trailer. Don't be offended by me. So maybe just in the text of the Bible, it's like changed from the story of him on the cross to him he fell off a cliff or something? I have I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really want to watch this movie, but when yeah. you watch this trailer, it's not it's not a Velocipaster uh kind of cheese fest. Yeah. It 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 really is taking itself seriously. Mm. And uh watch Assassin 33 AD. Okay. You just watch that trailer. Until you said it was a Christian movie, I was like, "This, I kind of want to watch this. And then you said it, nope, and made me want to watch movie. it more. <laughs> I, and it never explicitly says it, but I guarantee you, yeah. and you will feel it as soon as you watch you, the trailer. They always have a feel to them. Yep. So You watch it, and uh, nothing against Christians at all when I say that. I just generally, movies that are made by Christian production companies drive me nuts. Yeah. Because they're so A-plot, and mm-hmm. it's so on the nose uh, that there's, there's no... There's no subtlety or or realism there. It's it's all you can feel it making a point, right? Instead of being a movie and giving me characters and giving me a story. Yeah, it's like Kirk Cameron in movie form. <sighs> Don't mention that name, because <laughs> I swear that's all. It's all it would have taken is is to add Kirk Cameron into this. Maybe Assassin he's a producer. AD. Check it out. Okay. The trailer. I'm gonna check the out film. the trailer. If you want to watch, maybe we the can. Movie, p- you do it, and you tell me how it goes. I it looks. You should have made this terrible a episode of trailer trailer. <laughs> I should have, but I totally forgot to tell you about it. Oh man! Well, I'm gonna check out that trailer. Okay. Oof, Clint. All right. <laughs> anyway, our third movie is uh, Cinetron's Easter Pick from mm. last week. And Cinetron's Easter 33 Pick. 33 AD should have been Cinetron's. Movie. I, I'm telling Easter you. Pick. Watch this trailer, and then you will never say that again. Okay. It, oh, this trailer. Velocipaster. Cinetron picked for us a little movie uh, that you can find on Amazon called Velocipaster. And Velocipaster, not making this up, after losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. What kind of dinosaur, Clint? Velociraptor Pastor. Velociraptor. Although he is horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to As they fight do. crime. As they do. Yeah. As they do. Because when, when prostitutes see a pastor turning into a Velociraptor, they're like, you know what? You should fight crime. <laughs> Clint, what did you think of Velocipaster? Ken, I feel like your privileges have been taken away from adding anything to Cinetron. 
because this is definitely the worst movie we watched because of a lot of Cinetron. This is this movie. It's it's so painful because it's so it's kind of aware of what it is, but not enough. It's kind of like it. Somebody told them when they were done editing, like this is awful. Maybe if you add these couple of scenes of humor, then maybe you'll make you feel like or seem like you were purposely doing this. And I feel bad talking bad about it because it's like this level of filmmaking where it's like, of course, they don't have the budget to do these things. Um, of course, like it's not going to be um, a little indie Jurassic Park where there's a the pastor is a velociraptor. <laughs> but it's, every time you say it, because <laughs> it's because every element is so much more ridiculous than I even thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like, oh, okay. Uh, how does he uh, become a, a raptor? Oh, yeah, he's in China. Oh, what? We don't have the budget to go to China? Okay, I have a little thing for anybody who's making a film that you can avoid this to maybe just not show that you don't have the budget. Do not shoot anything in the woods because that's instantly a, <laughs> instantly. Key, a key sign that, yeah, instantly. they don't have any money. Instantly. Because, yeah, because the woods are free. We can go to the woods and do yep. that. Like, we wander around the woods for a day and shoot whatever we get. Yep. Don't do it. Yep. Don't do it. Yep. 100% yep. There's like four scenes in the if woods. You have a scene in the sure, forest. If it makes sense to the if story. If it makes sense to the story, you can do it. Not the, just you wandering in probably what is a park. Not a the woods of Pennsylvania and call it China. <laughs> yeah. And that's your brain intuits that this is not the vegetation no. of this province. No. That that's Northern California yeah. or maybe Oklahoma. That's that is not Asia. No. In any way. Mm-mm. Yeah, Asia has very specific trees. Uh, this is this is not them. Yeah, Can, I, tell me what you think about this. I regretted. <laughs> you were so excited. I was. I was. From I would say thirty-eight seconds into this movie. Yeah, I deeply. Deeply regretted. <laughs> Thirty-eight seconds. <laughs> there, there was. It was. It was really early. Yeah. It. Oh, what have I done? It, it was. It was really a. Oh no. Can we just say there was going to be spoilers for oh, this? Oh, please, yeah. yes. Okay. If, if you are watching this and getting upset at us because we have spoiled it for you, you're you're watching the wrong movies and listening to the wrong podcast because this movie. <laughs> um, I, I it it this. The opening gave me a little hope for one second when it said that um, this movie is rated X be- by everybody on the council being Christian or something like that. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then it like within a, a minute of that, it was like I lost all hope for it. It was so bad. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't convey in words how bad this movie is from frame one. It mm-hmm. just everything about it feels like uh, not indie filmmakers working within the constraints of a budget and having fun. It feels like somebody who's really trying to get that filmmaking dream on the screen. And I I respect that. And I almost hate even kind of talking bad about it, except that 
it's like when you watch one of those singing shows and somebody goes up to sing and it's just like, how has no one ever told this person that they are wildly out of pitch and have no ability to sing? How has this person made it through life being encouraged to this moment where they're walking on national television in front of judges and belting out a song? Mm-hmm. Has no one ever told this person, yeah, you probably don't want to do that. Yeah, it was on that thin like that thin line between being a B-horror movie or like wanting to be a B-horror movie and you – Actually, you just you can't make a film. Yeah, like in there, you just can't. And there's moments where they're aware of it, but it to the point where it makes it more painful. Yeah, like oh, we're we're gonna throw this joke in here. Like, okay, we can't afford the budget for the blow up a car. We're gonna put in this thing VFX added later, and it's just like, okay, that's kind of funny, but really, you just couldn't afford. Yeah, and we're gonna okay, but. It'd be funny if, like, you did have the budget for it, yeah, and you could do all these other things, and then, um, like, you just forgot to put that in later. Like, later. But also, the the best independent films, whether they're comedies or not, they they write to their budget. They understand right. their budget. They understand what they can and can't do, and so they make the smartest choices based on those limitations. This is not a movie where you feel like anybody is making smart choices with limitations. Yeah. There is a version of this that you could have some fun with. Yeah. And and you could have next to nothing and still put something out that uh, almost revels in its lack of ambition. Right. This has this weird ambition that knows it's too ambitious, but does lazy it anyway? at other And there's also la- – it's lazy at yeah. other times too. Yeah. Where it's just like, okay, now this is just bad. Yeah. It's not fun anymore. The um you're not working with what they have. Yeah. They're they just don't have anything and it's just not working right it now. It was a surprisingly joyless experience. Yeah. It 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 didn't even feel like anyone on screen was no. enjoying what they were doing. It didn't feel like the people putting in for special effects or costumes were enjoying what they're doing. And that's making some big judgment calls on people that are probably very well-intentioned. And I'm sure maybe they had a blast, but it doesn't translate on screen. I mean, Elisa Kapinski, she's been in – like, she's an actress. Yeah. Like, she's been in that show The Deuce with um, yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like she's an actress. Like they got actual actors to be in this, um, but it's just, yeah, like the, it just seems like maybe they stepped into something they didn't realize, and they're just trying to get through it. Or I don't. If, if if a filmmaker really sold you on, oh, this is the next Sharknado, right? Right. Here's what we're doing, and maybe they were genuinely having fun on set, and maybe they're being pushed to be more wooden than they are because there are people on here that are better actors than. Than what they're doing, and, and it was just a lot of strange choices, a lot of really strange choices. Uh, at times, it even felt like uh, this is somebody making an English language film where nobody actually speaks English. Yeah, it, it had that kind of cadence, yeah, and that kind of feel to it, where it's just like you're saying words and they sound right, but you don't know how to to deliver them or, or how to stage the scene that you're that you're putting in front of everybody. Right. There were a couple lines I actually chuckled at, but it was just like more in a performance kind of thing. Like the guy who had the obviously he shaved his head to have a comb over, who was the pimp. Yeah. Um, who I wonder how long it took him to regret doing that. Because <laughs> like it was probably a buddy of his <laughs> and he's like, oh I'm gonna shave my head and have yeah. a comb over and like a week later he's like oh, I gotta shave my whole head now. But it's just like all the jokes, yeah, it just kind of 
brought attention to the budget and it was there was just like oh look how funny we are yeah. and it, it just made me and it made me feel not good about it but but take a movie and give me this movie one step removed where the movie is actually about this this group of kind of friends who are going out and trying to make this movie called Velocipaster. Yeah. Little things like that would have made it way more interesting than uh, there were times I'm like, is this trying to take itself seriously? I'm like, nope, there's a joke. It's not. Yeah. Wait, is this trying to take itself seriously? And it it was a very confusing experience. Yeah. And when you're already not enjoying it, uh, having something confuse you. Uh, is just not a fun way to spend an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking up the um, Wikipedia about this, and I was correct from last episode where the name did come first. Yep. It was an autocorrect on his phone where he was... Uh, it was, was an autocorrect. It was. He was. So iPhone wrote this movie. He, yep. He was trying to write Velociraptor. I, I do think that one week we should load a bunch of fake titles... Uh, with puns into Cinetron and have it spin. And then whatever pops up, we've got to uh, pretend that that was a real movie we just watched <laughs> and we've got to review that movie. I okay. think that would be fun. I think our idea for um, what what was it, 34 A, what was it, the time travel one? Assassin 33 AD. <laughs> I think our idea for that was better than. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, Velocipastor, I really, I knew it was going to be bad. I knew. Yeah. But I really thought I was going to have a good time watching this bad movie. Yeah. And the biggest disappointment was not that it was a bad movie. It was that it was not a, a bad movie that, that I could enjoy in any way. Yeah. It made me so sad because I, too, cannot get over the name. The name is hilarious to me. It's wonderful. It makes me instantly want to watch whatever movie is attached to that title. But... <sighs> I think he's working on a sequel, so you might be able to... The Loss of Pastor, too. Yeah. Yeah, but there's like just story elements too where it felt lazy. Like, oh, okay, he he befriends a prostitute. Um, he really he gives up being a pastor or like a priest really quickly, fast, really quick, fast, really quick. And the whole like, uh, the like he goes to China. There was some kind of I don't know racist elements. Hundred percent. Like the other yes. priest yeah, saying, "Oh, that's so Eastern." Yeah, I was like, "Whoa." Yeah, calm down. Yeah, yeah. Um. But the act, when it finally reveals the Velocipaster at the end, because there's a large period of this movie where they forget that he can turn into a dinosaur. Very conveniently for yeah. that. Definitely yeah. budget reasons. Right. Yeah. And then they finally reveal him at the end. And it's, <laughs> I had written down, you know those blow-up Halloween dinosaur costumes mm-hmm. where you step inside and it's kind of like a one of those things on your lawn? Mm-hmm. That would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. That would have looked better. It really would have. And, you know, the, the Velocipaster thing goes to a bigger, the fact that he just forgets for long periods of time that he has this new ability. Uh, one of my kind of recently realized issues with Star Wars, not 4, 5, and 6, but the prequels and the sequels, and they really amp up the use of the Force and Force abilities and Force powers. Yeah. It suddenly turns into a, yeah, but why didn't you use it there? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you use it there? And why didn't you just jump and then force push and land? And why didn't you rip that out of their hands? Why didn't you just, like, force push your lightsaber across the room and kill that person? Right. Um, and so it's it's one of those things where once you amp up or present a power without any limitation, 
it it starts to undo your plot the minute you start to, yeah. to really think about it. Uh, and Star Wars is by no means the only right, offender right. there. Yeah. Any superhero movie, right. if you really start thinking about it long enough, just like Thor can you know punch Hulk square in the jaw, but he can also punch Captain America holding his shield. Yeah, and that doesn't have a different effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get it. Um, <laughs> it would just been it would have been more fun if it was just the angle of kind of like a werewolf scenario where he just turns into a dinosaur yeah. and he's like this pastor but at night he's like feeding on people and he's like at this moral conundrum about like yep. he's trying to obey the word of God but also he's like out at night killing people yeah. and he's trying not to get caught with that and but like within 5 minutes of becoming this dinosaur he's like she talks him into um being this avenging angel of yeah. dinosaur and he totally is like okay yeah i'll do that okay yeah. i'm not a pastor anymore okay yeah you're a prostitute i'm in love with you now um yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah. through those vows right out the window yeah i know that's not the point of the film it was supposed no, to be dumb fun but it was just like you can have dumb fun and still have logic yeah you can still craft a story right and have fun with it it the best comedies still have a good narrative right. and still have a good kind of flow of plot. Yeah. It, it, that doesn't go out the window just because you're trying to be funny. Yeah. Uh, or even if you're just trying to make a bad movie. Right. That, that doesn't go out the window either. Yeah. So, yeah, horrible disappointment. I, I was so <laughs> – I really – I came out of Lost Pastor feeling low. Mm-hmm. Made me sad. So I was cursing women, your name. I know. I was, I was cursing my name. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, Little Women is – Definitely, definitely worth watching. Wonderful flick. Uh, one of the best of 2019. Uh, First Love, uh, if you enjoy Mike, uh, pick it up. If you've never watched Takashi Miike film, maybe start somewhere else and then eventually get here. First Love's pretty good. But yeah, it's, maybe just watch one other yeah, of his and then yeah. check out Audition. Yeah. Audition yeah, is fantastic. Audition's great. Uh, and then Velocipaster. <laughs> I feel so like I, I feel bad talking about because it it's like it's like the level of filmmaking that I I kind of I think there should be a more of a place for, but it's just like. It, but we've watched movies recently yeah. that have played with that style. Yeah. That have had that seventies cheese, yeah. uh, and have have done much more. I mean, the the one you had me watch, the one about the dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I what was that called? In fabric. In fabric. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it that much, but I recognized that it was a well-made film yes. and I got what they were doing. It just wasn't my style. It wasn't my thing. Um, but I could still sit there and watch it and know, all right, there's there's a level of, of accomplishment here uh, that that they know what they're doing and, and that there are people that will respond to this. But I mean, something like um, Primer, where I think mm-hmm. that was made at the same kind of budget as oh, this, yeah. where it's just like... <sighs> I think there's there should be more films at this budget, and I know it's hard to make a film at this budget, but it's just so I, I feel bad about like I I don't know I, I I I like films that are made like this with restraint, but within that you should use restraint as a tool rather than like a crutch. You shouldn't start a movie with a title. You should start a movie with your actual realistic limitations. What's my budget? What's my story here? What can I tell? Uh, you know, yeah, I have this bigger idea, but I only have 10,000 bucks. Yeah, maybe don't make the story about the priest going to China and turning into a velociraptor. Save that one for when you got a little more cash. 
Uh, and that's that's where something like Primer, made on a dime, but it knows its budget. And right. It has a story that's about two guys in a box. Essentially, Primer is two guys in a box, but it sinks all of its time and effort into the story yeah. and what it's doing. And two guys in a box are suddenly enthralling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're just completely engaged. Right. Even though it's two guys in a box. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a way you could maybe do this film at that like budget like if it was written really well like if it was written really well and you had a friend that was really good with practical makeup application yeah. or like um, you know that film monster the one that was uh, monsters where uh by was it um what was the name oh i did uh the godzilla remake a couple years oh, ago yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's just them traveling across yeah uh, the country with a lot of background elements of what's right, happening. Right, and he did yeah. all the effects. That was really good. Yeah, that was really good, and I think that was a really small budget, too. And he did all the effects for that. It's like you, you work to your strengths yeah. and or find the right people who yeah. you can work with who can fill these gaps that in knowledge that you have. Um, yeah, you just kind of have to know your limits. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I would not run out and... and uh, check out the Lost Pastor. No matter what Cinetron says, sorry, Cinetron. Yeah. But I'm also not a filmmaker, so yeah. yeah. Uh, who knows? And and there does have to be an element where you're in Hollywood and you can't get going, and you finally have a shot to make something. Yeah. And you got an idea, and you hope it hits, and you really do sink all of your time into it, and then a bunch of jerk podcasters and reviewers are just like. You know, this person can't make a movie. What were they thinking? They're just like, I just, I just, philosopher pastor popped up on my phone and my mom's friend gave me some money and I was like, let's make a movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I do feel for you. Yeah. Well, anyway, are you ready to spin Cinetron this week? And please, please, Cinetron, give us something. We pray to you, Cinetron. Worth having. Well, I'm not, I'm not praying to Cinetron. I pray to Cinetron. You can pray to Cinetron. I'm not praying to Cinetron. You love Cinetron more than I do. I love Cinetron when you let me talk to Cinetron, but we haven't talked to Cinetron in weeks because somebody's afraid of emergent AI. Ugh. Hey, I'm looking out for us, man. All right. One of these days, I'm just going to grab that keyboard and start clack, clack, clacking. All right, spin this thing. Let's see what happens. Okay. Wicker Man, the original. Oh, thank goodness. The minute the Wicker Man came out of your mouth, <laughs> I thought it was the Nicolas Cage yeah. version. I was about to come across this table. I saw that movie in the theater. The Nicolas Cage version? Yes. By myself, I believe. Why? I don't know. It was like one of those Saturdays where it was like an early matinee, and I was just like, oh, I was good. Now, why did you go by yourself? Why <laughs> did you go to that movie? Because it was before anyone knew it was bad. Oh, okay. It was like that. It was like opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was a terrible movie. I know. I haven't watched the original Wicker Man in 10 years. It's been a while. I've never seen it. So. Really? Yeah. Okay. I I remember good things about it. And it's right in that era that, that inspired movies like Midsommar. And so... 
Why do you always laugh at me, Clint? Just they spelled it S O M M A R, not S U M M E R. So I know what I'm doing. Okay, okay I was, English I was, major. I was an English major. All right, literature. I don't think the the, uh, the director says it like that. The director doesn't know what he's talking about, and he just typed it into his phone. And he's like, "That's a fun title." Velocipaster. There's a lot, of, a lot of overlap between Velocipaster <laughs> and that. Anyway, uh, you can really feel that that that's in that that early yeah. uh, genre of horror film that that, that just kind of weird pagan uh, religious cult mm-hmm. uh, horror. Yeah, uh, that that really is creepy and unsettling. Um, so okay, I, I look forward to you watching it. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. All right. This is a good one, Ken. This was. This was. <laughs> uh, this has been Cinebabble episode 24. As always, you can find us on uh, com. Uh, you can email us there. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. People don't like us on Facebook. They like us on Twitter and Instagram, but not on, not on Facebook. Only crazy people hang out on Facebook I, anyway. I totally agree. And so. I think I'm about to let the Facebook page just kind of drift off into the ether. Because I don't care about it. That's fine. Uh, Instagram, we got a couple hundred people following us. So there you go. We have any pictures on there? Oh, yeah. I have, every time a new episode goes up, I put a, I put a little like, oh. you know, hey, a new episode's up. And put a picture of Beetlejuice or The Room or you know whatever on there. Velocipaster? And no. I will not be putting Velocipaster on there. This is definitely going to be a Little Women Week. Please put a picture of the dinosaur. <laughs> Eating, eating yeah. Joe and Meg. Yeah. Just, <laughs> With just heads. Yeah. Decapitated heads. Yeah. Little women, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been episode 24. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Wash those hands. Uh, cough in your, your elbow. elbow. Oh, you've Man. been reading five Google tips, too. Yeah. Google has some some good tips. Wash your hands. Cough in your elbow. Don't go Wear outside. A Wear a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, you guys uh you guys stay virus free. Have a yep. good one. Bye.